Hi, folks. Steve Urban here, founder and CEO at recruiting and consulting firm RiderFlex. If you think today's tip or guest interview can help someone you know, please share this with them. And if you enjoy listening to our show, please subscribe to our channel and hit the like button on the episodes. Finally, aside from our podcast, our day job here at RiderFlex is to provide recruiting, staffing, and consulting services. You can visit riderflex.com to learn more about us and get the information on the services we provide. And now, a quick word from our sponsor and friends at Marketing 360. Try the number one marketing platform for small business. Everything you need from design to marketing to CRM. Learn more at marketing360.com. Marketing 360, fuel your brand. Yeah, man, I can't wait to get into Obsidian and all the HR stuff uh, for sure, especially with remote work and COVID and all this. Stuff. It's a good, good time for you to be on the show. Uh, yeah, absolutely. No shortage of uh, no shortage <laughs> of challenges out there that businesses are dealing with. Right. Yeah. Uh, before we get into that, though, how about you personally? Can we talk about your your life, your family early on, maybe parents, siblings? Yeah. Yeah, give me an over, overview. Go for it. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, so I grew up in, uh, in Tampa, Florida. Uh, I'm the youngest of, of three. I've got two older sisters uh, and had a, had a, had a good, uh, good childhood. My, my parents have been married for, gosh, they have a 50th anniversary, I think, next year. Um, wow. uh, they actually just visited and, and, uh, and left, left, left Denver about a week ago. So it's nice to see them. But uh, yeah, so I cool. grew up in Florida uh, in Tampa. Then moved to Orlando uh, for college. For university, went to the University of Central Florida for a while. I actually ended up dropping out because uh, I got caught up in a startup. Uh, it was the heady dot com days, and uh, you know, kind of did the the, the the college dropout route uh, okay. to to get into the business world. Today, I've got uh, I've been in Denver for almost eight and a half years. Uh, so you know, spent a lot of time in Florida. Uh, actually, lived in Hawaii for four and a half years. Um, came to Denver from Hawaii and uh, have been here. I've got three young boys, uh, uh, Colton, Brooks, and Meyer, that that are, you know, keep keep me busy, and, and a wife of seventeen years uh, that also keeps me busy. Uh, so love to travel uh, and uh, motorsports is my is my hobby. Oh, motor. Okay, motor. About how old are the sons? The boys? What are Eleven, they? seven, and five. So uh, kind of in, in the uh, in the middle school to to kindergarten range. That's actually the best time, like right before puberty, right? You know, before they start uh, thinking they know things and getting, That's right. you know, getting an attitude. Like you're you're in the sweet spot right there where they still Absolutely. give you hugs. They still say, I love you, dad, and all this cool stuff. That's right. Although my oldest does make me drop him off down the street for school now. So <laughs> okay. It's, it's, on his own. <laughs> it's already starting. That's right. Uh, I always tell people, uh, we had four kids ourselves, and I always say, look, between like three and 11, like, like right in there. That is, that is a magical time. Uh, you know, once they hit puberty, 12 years old to 18, there, there's some, uh, <laughs> challenges. Okay. Usually, uh, you're going to have uh, three, three teenage boys almost at the same time. So that should be interesting. You'll have to let me know how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> I will. I will. It's going to be a, they're a handful today, but, but as they get older, I'm sure it's going to be a different type of handful. Is one of them uh, out of the three, like, uh, is it like one's super aggressive, one's introverted, one's, or, or are they all the same? What, what's the? 
patterns. It's funny. It's really started. To, I really started to notice that my, my oldest is very studious and, and I'd say reads an enormous amount. He's a bookworm and you know, okay. we'll be reading a book 24 hours a day. One of those things where you have to tell him to turn off his light at night or he would stay up all night reading. My middle okay. one is a sports fanatic. Like he, he is so into Broncos football. He can tell you every player, every stat. He cried when Von Miller got traded. Uh, <laughs> and my youngest is super artistic. We'll sit there you know, at, at five and color in a coloring book for an hour or two at a time and, and uh, be Pretty thrilled cool. about it. So, yeah, is, interesting to see their personalities develop. It is, isn't it? it? It really is fascinating to watch that. Yeah, very cool. What's your wife do? Or does she take care of the boys? Uh, or? My wife's uh, so she's a pediatric nurse practitioner at Children's Hospital here in here in Denver. Uh, she works okay. in the pediatric neurology uh, area, taking care of uh, kids with uh, epilepsy and, and intractable seizures. Wow! How'd you guys meet? Uh, we actually were introduced by my parents. Uh, we were high school sweethearts. Um, she was my date to the senior prom. Oh, and okay. my mom and her dad worked together at the post office. And uh, I, as I mentioned, I was into motorsports when I was a teenager. I wanted to learn how to work on cars. And, and that wasn't something my dad knew how to teach me, uh, but her dad did. And so my mom introduced us, uh, introduced me to her dad. And I was, uh, he was showing me how to change the oil on my first car. Uh, cool. And it turns out I was more interested in his daughter. uh that's pretty neat what are you uh so you're still into the motorsports is that still your hobby it is yeah i uh big formula one fan uh so my my you know weekends for my my sunday mornings are typically watching formula one with my boys and uh uh try to try to get to a race or two each year if i can it's been harder recently uh and uh and and i also I, i like high performance driving and and when i can get spend time on the track um I like to do it. It's a, it's an adrenaline thrill for me. Do you have a hot rod setting out back or on the side of your house? What, what do you got sitting there? Uh, I've got, I've got a, a, I've got, I've got a sports car in the garage that, that I, I take to the track uh, is, uh, is my, is my uh, indulgence uh, in my, in my, my household. So uh, it's uh, it, it is a, uh, it is a hobby that you can spend every dollar. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't matter how much money you bring in the front door. You can spend every dollar you, you know, you, you make on uh on that. And so I, I try to moderate that, but I, I, uh, I really enjoy it. Um, you know, it's, a, it's, 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 a, it's actually a, you know, it's a, a indulgence that takes a lot of precision and, and that's part of why I like it. it you can uh-huh. really, you know, it's one of the, you know, taking a car, driving it at its limits is not only an adrenaline rush, but if you practice it, you can steadily see the improvement. And I, and I am somebody that, that thrives in an environment where I can iterate and improve both in the mm. business world and in the personal world. And so I think that's part of why it appeals to me. The, the, the adrenaline rush is certainly part of it, uh, but but also, uh, you know, consistently being able to get better and better um, with the more time I have to put into it. It is interesting on hobbies, right? You, you literally can just keep spending whatever whatever your hobby is. You, you name it, right? Doesn't matter. Hot rods, fishing, right. golf, camping, I don't know, whatever. You name it. You, you can just keep going. I had to, uh, I recently ordered some more stuff for my Jeep Gladiator that uh, more, some more build out things, they call it, you know, my wife's like, what the hell? She's like, you don't like, what are you doing? You kind of just have to force yourself to stop because you can't just keep going. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I I got, I got a client that will happily help you out. A high country four by four is a good Uh client of mine. Uh, They they will, they will sell you all the stuff you need for your Jeep, (laughs) put it on for you uh, if you need an introduction. But uh, yeah, I, 
I definitely get it. I, I I've also recently gotten into cycling. Uh, that was my pandemic hobby, and and uh-huh. uh, that's another hobby where you can, uh, you know, <laughs> you can spend ten thousand dollars before you know what you've done, and and uh, right. But it's 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 at least that one keeps me fit. Uh, I've also learned some of the best advice I ever got. Uh, you know, in terms of being a dad, is to make your kids' hobbies your hobbies. Um, that way you actually have time to do them. Right. You're right. They'll spend time with you. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Uh, Then the boys are probably already into cars. I'm guessing, right. They're already into it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the the older one, uh, you know, a bit, the the younger ones are still a little, a little scared. Uh, but, but, uh, but yeah, they're, they, they all watch, uh, they all watch formula one with me on on the weekends and and know all the rate, know know all the Mm -hmm. racers names and, Ah. uh, keep track of, you know, it's all over the world. So they, you know, they, they like to learn about the places the races are and stuff like that. And it's a, uh, it's fun. Now, you know what this means, right? Before we get into business, like last thing on personal, you know what this means when they get to be older and they want their first car, like, <laughs> you know, a little, a little like a uh, 20 year old Subaru for two grand. That's, that's not going to do it. They're, they're going to be like, no, uh, dad, no. Uh, oh, trust <laughs> me. That is uh that, that is absolutely um, in, in, uh, in, in the mind of, of me, as well as of, of, of my oldest, uh, my mm-hmm. wife is actually getting a, she's, we have a Tesla on order for her. That's supposed to come sometime in, in January. Ah. And my ma- son has already done the math that that car will be f- exactly five years old when he's old enough to drive. <laughs> um, and his is already trying to, uh, you know, place his, his, uh, his, his claws into, into that car. That's pretty cool, man. That's pretty cool. Thanks for sharing that. Thanks for sharing. So early, so you were a startup entrepreneurial guy early on. You kind of had that bug. And were yeah. you, were you, were you, cause you're really, your tech, your ops and your finance, right? You, you, you really specialize in all three. Um, which one were you first? Like what was technology. your bucket? So I, I was a technologist okay. first. Um, okay. I, I got pulled into the startup world. This was in the late nineties. Uh, I met some, some guys that were doing a startup called zero chaos. Uh, and okay. it was okay. a business that, uh, focused on managing the contingent workforces for really large businesses. So our clients were bank of America, EDS, JC Penney, kind of fortune 500 type businesses that had mm. large retiree and other kind of contractor based, based, um, mm. uh, workforces. Mm. And, they were effectively unmanaged at the time. What is now called the vendor management system, you know, that, that's used in those type of businesses, didn't exist. Um, and while we didn't know what we were doing, that's what we ultimately ended up uh, kind of creating. Uh, we, we didn't call it a vendor management system at the beginning, but that's that's sort of the the, the cradle of of what we ended up creating. Uh, and I was the the you know, the technologist, you know, leading that. Uh, simply because at that point in time, uh, you know, anybody that could do anything in terms of programming on a computer was equivalent to magic. Uh, and, uh, um, and so I, I had the opportunity and I, I saw it and I, I, we, we built a successful business. We ended up selling that business about five years after starting it. Business is still around today. It's now called Workforce Logic. They've changed their name a few years ago, uh, but it All operated right. as zero chaos uh, up until maybe two years ago. Um, and uh, it was really neat to see that business grow uh, even, even when I wasn't involved in it anymore to kind of know that, that uh, I was there on day one uh, and helped kind of set the foundation of something that then took a life of its own was, was neat. And it, it definitely fostered that ongoing entrepreneurship. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, a little cash payout for you there on the equity, but well, let me guess, not, not enough to retire, but you, you how'd you do? <laughs> I did all right. I was 20, uh, I, think I was 23 at that time. Uh, and so I wow. thought I, you know, you know, I, 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 I didn't have any, I didn't have any kids yet. 
Um, uh, and so that, you know, I think having kids starts to change your perspective of what, uh, you know, what, what, what it takes to have a good financial, uh, you know, financial mm-hmm. foundation, but yeah, you know, it was a good, good, uh, good way to start early in my career to have a, have a win. Um, mm. and then we, 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 uh, there was also another business that was, was related to it, uh, that was in the same space I'm in now, the PEO or, or HR outsourcing space. And that business was called CoAdvantage. Um, it was based at the time in Orlando. They've since moved the headquarters to Tampa, uh, but the CoAdvantage is also still around. And, and that was focused more on small businesses, uh, which is where I've chosen to spend the rest of my career. So providing HR services for small and mid-sized businesses. And, and that really was a natural transition to me because of my entrepreneurial mm-hmm. spirit and I, I, mm-hmm. I, my passion for entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it's really what's kept me you know, in, that, in this, in this uh, business now for, for, for over 20 years. The co-advantage, were you a co-founder there or? or yeah. No, there was a team that had, the same team that started Zero Chaos started started that, that business, but I was there from, you know, basically from the very beginning. Okay. Uh, I had spent most of my time on Zero Chaos for a few years. Uh, and then as that business got up and running, I spent more time, more and more time on the co-advantage side of the business uh, mm-hmm. and uh, and was able to, to you know, grow that business, um, you know, over you know, a period of, of a decade or so uh, yeah. that I was involved in it. And we grew from, you know, in our, in our, in this, in this industry, we measure our size, and the number of employees we, we, we service on behalf of our clients. So I was there from, from the very beginning, uh, kind of the first employee we paid all the way through. Uh, I think when we, when, you know, when, when I exited the business, we had 60 or 70,000 employees we were servicing. Oh, incredible. Okay. And then, they were purchased or they merged or whatever. And then you yeah, exited. Yeah, okay. Exactly. So that, that business, uh, you know, that business got sold as, as, as well. Um, and, you know, I, I was fortunate enough to also have an you know, a, a ownership stake in that business and, and, and ultimately, nice. um, you know, decided that I wanted to take some time to figure out what I wanted to do. So I've had a couple of, of, of successful, um, mm-hmm. you know, ventures over, over 10 years. I was, I was 30. We had our, we had at that time, we, we had our first son. Uh, and so, you know, I, I was like, Hey, I'm going to give myself a year to figure out what I want to do uh, when I okay. grow up. Um, yeah. turns out I'm not very good at sitting at home, not doing a whole lot. Uh, and so <laughs> I think I told my wife I was going to take three months and not do anything. I think I made it maybe three weeks, um, before I started doing consulting work. Um, you know, in, in, in the space, my phone was ringing, people were calling me. And, and so, mm-hmm. uh, I started saying yes to some of that work and I, and I enjoyed it because it's, you know, the variety of the work that came in and, and the different things I got to see. Um, but one of the calls I got was from, from, a, a, a guy that I had met a number of years before named Ben Godsey that, that had bought a business in Hawaii and, you know, wanted me to come help him grow that business. Um, okay. and, uh, you know, and, and ultimately, you know, join him on, on the, on the ownership and, and, and leadership team there. And so uh, I, I had no intent of moving to Hawaii uh, at all. Uh, so I took the consulting opportunity. I was like, yeah, sure. I'll go to Hawaii. I'll do some consulting What you know, that, that'll be great. Yeah. Why not? Uh, yeah. You know, what I found though was that Hawaii was an amazing market for, for, for what I, you know, what we did. And it, and it, and it was an interesting adventure to be able to, to move there. And uh you know, I still still have have a part. You know, the business I'm a part of now is still a part of that ecosystem. But we've, uh, you know, more than more than five x that business in the last uh, ten years, uh, and that business continues to grow in Hawaii. Um, and uh, you know, my business now here is in in Obsidian is is a part of that that overall ecosystem. Um, 
and, uh, and and sort of a sister company to to the business that that's, that's based in Hawaii. Well, what happened? Did, did Pro Services or did Pro Service purchase Obsidian, and then uh, and then the guys at Pro Service said, "Hey, will you move to Denver and run run Obsidian?" Is that what happened? No. So Obsidian was a new start. So I I've, I uh, well, I moved to Hawaii in two thousand and ten, uh, okay. two thousand eleven. Um, my, you know, we didn't stay there that long, honestly, it, it, we were there for about, uh, maybe four years, four and a half. I can't remember exactly how long we were there. Okay. Um, and, you know, had our second child out there, but my wife and I didn't want to raise our kids in Hawaii. Um, okay. you know, we, we, we didn't have any family support out there and, and, and that was challenging. My wife's an only child and wanted to be closer to her family. Okay. And so, uh, about, you know, about three and a half, four years into, into my time with pro service, I, I actually moved to Denver and then commuted to Hawaii for, for the next five years. Um, so I commuted, uh, every three weeks, uh, from 2014 to 2019. Mm. Um, and, and, and that was, you know, the, the, the business was doing really well and I really enjoyed what I was doing. And so that makes the commute part, you know, doable, but it was mm. also not something that I wanted to do forever. Right. I, you miss mm. a lot of things, especially as the kids got older, you know, mm. I didn't want to miss those, you know, Tuesday night baseball games and, and, mm. and, uh, you know, things like that. Plus honestly, commuting that far that frequently is, is mm. hard mm. of the body. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, uh, I've got the, you know, well, well, I got the frequent flyer miles. I've got, I've got the, uh, you know, I've got some scars. of the scars the scars from that yeah. travel as well. Uh, and so, uh, you know, and, and, and pro service received investment, uh, in 2017 from a private equity firm called FFL partners. Okay. Uh, we'd been private equity back before. So this was kind of a, a move up to a larger firm. Um, awesome. and, and part of that thesis was always to expand out of Hawaii. Uh, and so that, that was really, uh, while well, we talked about it as an idea and, you know, when, when that transaction happened back in 2017, you know, we really kind of got our, 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 our stuff in gear and started to really look at uh, what it would mean to expand out of Hawaii. With me in Denver, uh, it was a natural place to look. Colorado is also a good market. Um, mm-hmm. I believe, and, and part of the thesis of what we're doing is that, that our, our product is one that's best delivered locally. So I focus here on Colorado-based businesses, just like ProService focuses on Hawaii-based businesses. My clients have employees all, you know, we service every state, but I, I really believe I can do my best work if I can meet my clients face-to-face, understand their business. And the majority of my clients are based here in Colorado. Okay. Um, and, and so, uh, you know, back in 20, uh, you know, 2018, we really started working on it. 2019, we launched. Um, and, you know, we sit here today with, uh, you know, with, with a business that, that, that I'm, I'm really, you know, really thrilled to be a part of and, and a team that, that uh, you know, that humbles me every day in terms of uh, what they bring to bear uh, in growing the business. How many employees? We have 35 internal employees here at, at, at Obsidian. Um, okay. Overall, ProService has about 350, um, and, but, but 35 here that, that service our, our Obsidian class. And ProService is owned by one PE firm, or there are several investors. I don't know how much you can share. I know it's a private company, but you know. Yeah, so FFL is the majority investor, and the rest is is management. Okay, gotcha. And they own and and ProService owns Obsidian, or it's a subsidiary, or whatever. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, so the you know, I, I still up until recently, I still served as the CFO of 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 ProService as well. Okay. Uh, yes, okay. you kind of asked about. You know my my you know technology operations finance I, I you know none of that was by design it's sort of a you know it's, it's sort of been 
um, you know, where, where there's a need and where I have a skill that fits that need, I, I'm happy to, to, to do the work. And I'm somebody that enjoys variety and challenge in my work. And so, um, you know, I, 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 I've been able to, you know, it's, it's honestly one of the things that's kept me going uh, and keeps me really engaged in my work is that I have a lot of flexibility in what I want to do uh, and, and, and where I spend my time. Uh, as long as I'm, you know, as long as I'm being a good steward of, of, of the business and creating value, uh, you know, I, I have a, a lot of opportunity to set, to set my own, set my own course and, and, and deliver on, 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 on the goals that I set. Very good. Give, give us the three minute elevator pitch on Obsidian really quick uh, for the listeners. And by the way, for everybody, it is obsidianhr.com, obsidianhr.com. Jordan Connolly also, of course, on LinkedIn. You can look him up there. But give us, uh, yeah, give us the, give us the pitch. Go for it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so obsidian is uh, is is a stone. It's a polished black stone that is formed by a uh, by volcanic eruption. And so, when we were choosing the name, we we wanted to pay some homage to our Hawaiian roots, and um, and that's where the name came from. I get that question a lot. Um, and so, uh, you know, obsidian is that black. Uh, kind of compressed pumice stone that, that, that looks really shiny and beautiful. Uh, sometimes you see it in people's uh, jewelry and, and, and things like that. Um, but we chose, chose the name because we wanted to create our own brand and really be a Colorado-based business while still paying some, some uh, you know, homage to the fact that, that we are part of something bigger uh, and, and, uh, and, and have, you know, have that, 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 that kind of mm. big brother, big sister type relationship with the business in Hawaii. Um, but Obsidian is a HR services company for small and mid-sized businesses. So my, my typical client is anywhere from 10 to 300, 400 employees that okay. is looking for a partner to help make them a better employer. And we do that through a turnkey and a fully bundled solution where our, our clients, uh, we either become the HR department, typically for our smaller clients, we act in effect as the HR department of the business. And that okay. includes payroll benefits, HR, you know, both proactive and reactive, safety, you know, the whole slew of things you would need, need from that compliance. For our larger clients, typically we're supplementing some internal HR resources so those HR folks can focus on the things they want to do, recruiting, retention, mm, mm, culture mm. building, goal management, mm, mm. Uh, and not having to get so caught up in all the transactional day-to-day details of, of HR, of which there are thousands. Um, and, 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 uh, and so my, you know, my clients count on me to give them peace of mind, to keep them okay. compliant, to keep them on the right side of the law, to keep them aware of the regulations that are, are happening, and to help them practically implement it. Um, so uh, everything from uh, you know, helping clients understand the Equal Pay Act that's happened here in Colorado and, and implement mm-hmm. it, uh, mm-hmm. as well as you know, doing things like managing and del- delivering their payroll and, and all the transactional uh, elements that come with that, 401k, retirement, benefits admin, um, so really the whole turnkey solution. Uh, and that's, that's exactly what, you know, what we do for, for small and mid-sized businesses. And I'm guessing your, your pricing and packages all just depends on what you sign up for. I'm guessing you have a variety or can you mold and shape yeah. offerings to, you know, to, to benefit the, the client based on their needs? How does that work? Yeah. So I, I see part of our role is as a curator. So uh, you know, business owners and, and the people we're dealing with are often overwhelmed by too many decisions. And so one of the things I, I try to pride myself on is being a good curator of the things we bring to bear. And so, yes, we have, have some different packages or different options, and the pricing can depend on what a client needs. 
uh, as well as the size of the client, of course. But but uh, but but I try not to give my clients, you know, I try to understand their needs and bring them the right solution rather than saying, hey, here's here's 10 options and, and right. make a choice. Like, I try to say, right. hey, here's maybe yep. two options and here's the one I recommend based on what I know and, and based on the other, you know, 500 clients I've seen like you over the last uh, the, the last decade. Um, mm-hmm. and, okay. and I think one of the things that, that, you know, I mentioned earlier, kind of my passion for small business and entrepreneurship, I've, I've gone on a journey, a personal journey over the last, you know, last several years of really trying to figure out, you know, what, what, what legacy do I want to leave in my life? Like, what do I want to be able to say, you know, when I'm, mm-hmm. when I'm retired mm-hmm. and, and, and done, what, what, what did I mark? Did I leave on the world beyond the financial kind of, you know, impact I'm able to make? And it, it really is, fostering entrepreneurship and, and, and supporting small businesses. And so I believe this is the best platform for me to do that. And so I, I use my business experience and, and, and background to, you know, to help our clients as well um, and, and say, you know, hey, here, here's, here's what I'm seeing. Here's, here's the decisions I'm making as somebody that's, that's also making a decision for, for my business here. Um, and, and this is the decision mm-hmm. I'm going to make. And here's why. That may or may not be right for you as a client. Um, but I'm not going to be afraid to share my view and opinion about some of the decisions that I'm making um, and, and the reasoning behind those, is if it's going to help help my clients or, or even anybody else that's a small business owner in the community. Do you specialize in any particular thing, whether it's payroll or benefits or whatever? Or, I, I mean, do you like no. to just say, hey, we're a generalist and we do it all? Or is there something that's your favorite or that you specialize in? Well, so the solution I offer really is a bundle. And, and the, the reason it's a bundle, it's sort of a, I kind of payroll benefits admin, the, the safety and, and the HR consulting are sort of the core of the bundle. There's other things I can add on and, okay. or, you know, uh, to, to that if, if, if they're needed, things like applicant tracking and, and drug testing and background checks and, and, okay. and you know, things like that. But, but at the core of the bundle, the, the reason that's the core is because I, it also it gives me all of the data to do all of those things well. So I'm, mm. I'm in flow with all mm. the transactions. So mm. when I, as a for example, when a client of mine hires an employee in a new state, I know about it because that employee provides that information during their onboarding process. I can all, I can automatically make make sure that that client's compliant in the new place that they have employees in. So new handbook addition uh, if that's necessary. Register the client in the state if that's what's required. Make sure they've got the work comp in place. And that's all something that happens without the client having to worry about it. And mm. so, you know, as opposed to if they're doing it on their own, they're going to have to go, not only have to know what they have to do, which most folks probably don't, because that's not what they're experts in, but they're going to have to go and, and, you know, actually do all those things on their own. And so mm-hmm. the solution I provide is that bundle. So I can provide all of those things together by having the data and being in process and in flow with all those transactions to, to make sure that my, my, my clients get what they need. How about the startup cash flow situation? You know, a lot of, I mean, if you're dealing with companies that have 10, 20 employees, the majority of the time cash flow is tight or they're in the middle of a cash raise or whatever. Uh, How do you deal with those startup founders that are, they're talking to you and they're like, okay, Jordan, this all sounds great, but I don't know if I can afford it. (laughs) Yeah. So, so honestly, the most of the expenses that a client pays me are, Things that they're going to pay no matter what, right? Every every business okay. that has employees is going to have workers' compensation. You're going to have you know you're going to have payroll costs. Mm-hmm. You're going to pay your your payroll taxes, or right. you know, if you don't, you're going to quickly end up in you know in jail. So you should pay your <laughs> payroll taxes. So most of those things are, are the majority of what I end up charging my client. I'm able to do some of those things more efficiently and provide them 
better pricing on, on things like, like workers' compensation and healthcare benefits and some of those things. Mm. And so that, mm. that helps that, that, that situation. You know, at, at the end of the day, I do charge an administrative fee. Um, and, and, but, it, but when you look at the overall cost that somebody's spending on the employee, my fees are relatively small portion of, okay. of that cost. Um, and, and we deal with small businesses all the time. I, you know, I, I'm, I am proud to say that over the last decade, between both pro service and my business here at Obsidian, we've retained 95% of our clients every year for the last decade. Excellent. And that 5% that we lose includes clients that go out of business or can't mm. no longer afford to pay me. Um, mm. Because we're dealing with small business and, and, it, and it happens. Um, now, obviously, I have to also protect my business from a, you know, from a, from a cash flow perspective. I'm, I'm not a bank and I don't extend credit to my clients in, in terms of their payroll or finance mm-hmm. payroll. But a lot of my smaller clients will use services like, um, like factoring businesses or things like that mm-hmm. to help manage mm-hmm. their cash flow to make sure that they can uh, you know, continue to meet their, their obligations to their employees. Mm. Very good. So, you know, we need to talk offline, by the way, when we uh, finish up the podcast, I want to talk about RiderFlex, our recruiting firm, and what we're doing for payroll and possible benefits coming up. Uh, I I know we chatted before, so I want to talk about that. By the way, uh, are you, do you have relationships with specific vendors on the benefits or payroll side or services and do, and, and is part of your business model having relationships with those so that there's like a referral and you make. I don't know, you can gain a little more money because you've partnered with certain people. How does your model work there? Yeah, absolutely. So so the biggest relationship I have there that my clients benefit from is I have relationships that we announced earlier this year with both Aetna uh, as well as Kaiser Permanente. Okay. Um, and, and so we have uh, you know, exclusive programs for, for, uh, you know, for our, our clients that can save significant dollars on, on, on the, the okay. employee benefit side of things for, for, for many businesses. Uh, and that's a part of being being a part of the Obsidian ecosystem in terms of getting access to those programs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's a big benefit. And, and, and uh, you know, one of the key reasons that clients look to us is you know, the cost of employee benefits you know, has outpaced the growth of wages and the growth of inflation mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. by, by a country mile for, for, for a long time. And unfortunately, right. it doesn't look like it's going to slow down anytime soon. So, you know, any smart business owner needs to be doing everything they can to manage that cost. And that's what we do. So we have other relationships as well. Um, but, but I would say in terms of, of the ones that, that our clients benefit from the most and the names that people would recognize, um, those are the ones that are, are sort of our premier uh, partners. The healthcare stuff for, for a small business is, is always just a major issue, right? And, and I'm guessing at least most people I talk to that are in a startup situation, they have a couple of founders. Um, the founders have partners or spouses that have jobs that have benefits. So that's how they're surviving. Uh, and so they're constantly trying to make sure that their partner has a different kind of job. Same situation for me. When I started RiderFlex, my wife's uh, employer has great benefits. And quite frankly, Today, she works there really only for that reason, because <laughs> because RiderFlex, we haven't we haven't launched healthcare for our own team, primarily because there's this just thought, you know, this ignorant thought. I say I use the word ignorance because I don't know all the costs, but I always think to myself, OK, we're small business. We can't afford that. My wife's business is her insurance is great. So she'll she'll keep working there. And so she, of course, just like most founder spouses, you know, she'll come home and say, when can I? When can I quit this job? I, I'm working here just for the benefits. Can't you get benefits or RiderFlex? 
So it's a constant topic, I'm sure, uh, which is wonderful for you to offer that service and be able to educate people like me and say, you know, it'd be great for you to meet with me and go, okay, well, let's talk about it. What, yeah. what is, what is the cost of her insurance? What could you provide? I'd love to love to look at that. I'm guessing Absolutely. if more people, if more people spent time talking to you about it, they'd probably make changes because they just don't know. They just assume that it's going to be terrible or super expensive. Well, that's exactly right. And, and you know, I have a lot of clients that are in, in exactly where you are at RiderFlex. And, and, you know, I have clients that aren't ready to or can't afford to offer those benefits yet, but but we're here when they're ready to. And, and we can yeah. keep talking to them about, about you know, when, when that's the right time. Okay. Um, because there's right. financial considerations. There's also considerations in terms of, you know, your impact on recruiting and retention of your, of your staff and, yes. and things like that. There's also benefits you can offer as an employer that that you know that, that I help our my, my clients with that, that, that don't require as much cost. So even things like uh, you know on a, on, a, on the very small business side, kind of businesses I would sort of say are still in the early stage startup, even being able to offer things like dental and vision or yeah. uh, you know retirement programs or things like that 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 are that maybe don't require the same financial investment as the as the major medical is you know can can be attractive uh, and mm. can be more affordable. Yeah, good point. Uh, Increasingly, I'm also seeing alternative types of benefits in that, in that stage. We have, this is actually a benefit I offer to my employees internally, and, and I have a number of clients that have offered as well, which is student loan repayment. Ah. Um, so I, I, make a, I make a contribution to all of my employees' student loans. Ah. I, I contribute $50 a month. They, they have to make their payment. I pay another $50 to the principal on top of that each month. Nice. The first two years they're employed, and then that goes to $100 a month um, after two years. Uh, you know, and, and what's been really neat through that process is I think we've been doing that for four or five years now and, and seeing people pay their loans off, right? The, the yeah, power, of, cool. power of making additional principal payment on a loan is, you know, significant, right? Mm. And, and uh, mm. you know, having employees, uh, you know, post on our internal, you know, right. uh, board or externally on social media and saying, you know, hey, I, I paid off my student cool. loans with the help of my employer. Uh, and the firm we use actually sends a, a neat little kind of uh, celebration at the end of the, the loans getting paid off. And it's really nice. helpful with our recruiting. Uh, and it really attracts the type of talent that, that uh, you know, some of the talent that I really need, which is those folks that are, are relatively early career, you know, a few years of experience, a couple of years out of college. But many people in that spot find themselves, you know, really struggling with the, the you know, the student debt load. Mm -hmm. Do you provide um, interim temporary consultants for projects like like you know at RiderFlex we're a recruiting firm for so our business is place of candidates but a lot of times <clears throat> our clients will call and say hey by the way are any of your, of your recruiters HR experts because we have this new program or this diversity training or a handbook that needs to be built or, or whatever They'll call us and, and ask if one of our recruiters also has that expertise and want us to float somebody over. We try, like as a recruiting firm, we tried to kind of be yeah. a consulting firm too and offer that service, but that's just not really, you know, that's just not really who we are, right? Yeah, and, My, and nor I. So I, I don't do, you know, kind of, I don't have a professional services model where I kind of go okay. by the hour, things like okay. that. Uh, you know, okay. We'll, we'll, we will, um, you know, we'll do project work for clients, uh, you know, for, for folks after they sign up, but before they're kind of fully installed on our platform. Okay. Oftentimes, you know, a lot of a lot of the prospects I end up kind of, you know, signing up as clients come to me through those situations. They're like, oh, I, I need to update a handbook. 
Right. Uh, but but what we find is is that oftentimes that what they really need is is a is a better HR ecosystem and and mm. you know that they're they're treating a symptom and not not necessarily the the, the broader issue. Uh-huh. You know, yeah. One of the examples I like to give there, I'm, I'm going to leave the, the the business name out uh, since this will be public. But but I have a a longtime client. Um, that when they came on with me had had no HR function at all. They 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 were it was two entrepreneurs that had started a business. Yeah, this happens happens all the time. Yeah, yep. they never set out to be business owners. They they've been <laughs> successful in, in in their careers at large companies. Saw an opportunity to go create something that services those large businesses in their space, and and created a business and have been very successful. They next thing, have next thing they know they have next thing they know they got fifty employees and they're like oh exactly shit. where they are today they have, they have forty seven <laughs> employees today. When they came on with us, I think they had twenty five. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they were an early client of us here at Obsidian. Uh, and so I got to know them pretty well. Yeah. And the, when they came on board, they had, um, they had you know, the, 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 the employee handbook was what you download from Google when you, you know, <laughs> handbook, right? It was, yeah. and that's what a lot of businesses do when, you, know, when you, yeah. you, you hire your first employee. Yes. You, mm-hmm. Gosh, well, I need a handbook. Let me go Google that. Uh, and that's a fine place to start. But as you, you know, at a 25 person business, you've probably outgrown that. And, mm-hmm. and I was at their office. And uh, it was a it was a Friday afternoon that I was there, and they happened to have a a, a beer garden in the back of their their their, their office. And they had a keg okay. in the back. They offered me a beer, and we sat there and had a beer and talked about their business, and it was great. great. During that, I was looking at their handbook, and their handbook said there is no consumption of alcohol. In <laughs> and I said, "Hey, do you know that's in your handbook?" They're like, oh, "I heard that from Google." And I said, "So, so yeah. what's going to happen when you're you know when when you have a problem with an employee and and you know you're you're on the stand and." The lawyer says, can you read from your handbook what your policy is on alcohol? <laughs> you have to say, well, the policy says uh, you don't consume alcohol uh, on company grounds. Right. And then the next picture, is, the, the next exhibit will be the picture of the keg that's in the corner that we just took a beer from. And, and so let's have a conversation about that. Because mm-hmm. you know, and, I, and I knew what they thought I was going to say was, well, you shouldn't have beer on property, which I didn't, isn't, isn't what I said, because I don't think that's yeah. right. That, that's yeah. part of their culture. And you can totally do that yeah. as a business. Yeah. Yep. But you need to be smart about it. And so what I said to them was, mm-hmm. hey, Update your policy to say, "Hey, we have we have you know beer on site. You're welcome to that when you're off the clock or during a company event where we say it's okay. Mm. You know you can't operate any machinery. Uh, <laughs> yeah. so they have machinery, they have forklifts, and some other things on on site. You know can't ever touch a piece of machinery after you've had anything to drink. Mm. You know if you have more than a couple of drinks, we'll pay for your 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 Uber ride home." By the way, I told them they should, they should have some sodas and juices and non-alcoholic beverages available <laughs> as well. And, and we had a reasonable business conversation about how they, they right. how they could protect their business that way. And so I, I tell that story a lot because mm-hmm. I think it's a great example. Often, it's the view of the department of no, or the, the department that's trying to stop, stop, you know, kind of stop things from happening in the business. Mm-hmm. I'm not great example. Yeah. Not, not by, not by kind of education. You know, I've fallen into it. And I know a lot about it, but I'm a business person, an entrepreneur. Right. And, mm-hmm. and, and so I want to help my clients, with those sorts of things. And so when people call me with, hey, I need a new handbook, I wanna dig in and ask a lot more questions and say, why? And, and have you thought about this? And have you had the mm-hmm. business conversations mm-hmm. about what you're actually trying to accomplish with your policies and with your handbook? Yeah. And have you thought about sitting on a stand and reading your handbook out loud? Because I've had <laughs> to do that. And if you haven't had to do it, close your eyes and think about it. And it'll make you be a lot more thoughtful about the policies you set and whether they actually reflect how you run your business. I love that about you as an individual, like if I was talking to you as the president of your company and you're talking to me about my business, you get it, right? You were a startup guy. You were an operations guy. You understand the stress, the cash flow, 
you lived it, which is great. You're not just an HR person. And by the way, I have a lot of HR friends. So everybody, everybody listening to this show, that's an HR longtime HR person, please don't take offense. But, but a lot of times when I'm, when I'm speaking to a long time HR executive, you can just tell like, okay, you've never actually, you've never started a business. You've never lived the startup life. You've never woke up at 3am in a cold sweat, wondering if you have enough money, like you've never lived that. And so you're not really part of the club. <laughs> the fact that you have both and you can offer HR services and you lived it as a startup, I, I think it's great because you can speak the language and you know what they're going through. I think that's, that's wonderful. Yeah, I, I do think that helps. I've also, you know, I've also taken businesses through sales and I've taken, I've, right. been, I've done MA right. and I've, I've gone through the private equity life cycle. Yes. And so, you know, and, good. I, I think that, you know, the, 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 and honestly, the majority of my clients are a bit bigger than the startup where my typical client has 25 okay. or 30 employees. I do okay. have startup clients and we, we happy to service those businesses, but, okay. but it's, it's also those other life cycles you go through as your business grows up. And, mm -hmm. and a lot of it is comes with business owners saying, gosh, you know, you know, you talked earlier about, hey, relying on your spouse for, for, for benefits. A lot of business owners also require, rely on their partner their, or, or, or spouse to help with payroll and HR. Oftentimes, mm -hmm. the businesses yes. we're talking to, you know, <laughs> it's the it's it's the Saturday that when, when HR gets done is on Saturday afternoon. Yeah. Uh, you know, the kitchen table <laughs> and, and they're doing payroll or, or, or you know, counting on their spouse that maybe or may, may not have a background in HR. That's and, right. And they realize, gosh, I, I, I need to professionalize this or mm -hmm. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to harm the growth of my business and I'm not going to protect myself as a business owner yep. in the way yep. that I should. Yep, exactly. I want to ask you a few questions here about hot topics uh, sure. as we get towards the end of the call here. A couple of things, because I'm sure you deal with it just based on your business. First, how are you advising your clients right now with regards to COVID, masks, vaccinations? I'm sure you have founders calling you saying, Jordan, what the hell am I supposed to do? How, what, what do I need to do here? And then, of course, the recent news where, you know, OSHA supposedly is going to clamp down on January 4th. And now we got I'm sure you have clients in different states. And some, some of those governors are pushing back. And then you got, I'm thinking about your service. I'm like, oh man, this, this could get messy. <laughs> how are you, like, how are you handling that? What are you telling your clients? Yeah, go for it. Yeah. yeah. So it, lots of conversations around there. And, and, and yeah. I think the short answer is there's no one answer that's right. Mm -hmm. and, and, and there's a lot of uh, conversation that goes, in, goes into it in terms of what's right for the clients. I do think the OSHA mandate, you know, while it's being challenged in the courts, I, I think my, uh, I'm not, I don't, I don't have a crystal ball, but I think it does prevail through the courts and, and does become okay. something that comes into force is, is my, if I'm reading the tea leaves. Okay. Uh, so I think businesses should be preparing for that if you're over hundred employees or receive gotcha. uh, Medicare, Medicaid funding. Um, yeah. I also think there's going to be a lot of trickle down from that. I think a lot of firms that are covered by the mandate are going to turn around to their vendors who are oftentimes smaller businesses and say, Hey, we've done this for our employees. We're going to impose it on our vendors as well. We've already seen some of that. Uh, like, oh yeah, that's now that's a great point. Yeah, I haven't even really thought about that lately. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, I mean, the vendor, your your vendor has to come to the building. They yeah. spend time in the building to do whatever. So now, so you're gonna, you know, okay, yeah, good point. Yeah. Sorry, didn't, didn't mean to interrupt. No, that's exactly you. right. Yeah. And so, look, what I what I'm advising my clients to is, I, I think the decision on you know 
whether to, you know whether you're covered by the federal mandate or not to make a decision on mandate or not mandate is 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 a you know a decision that every business owner needs to think about in terms of what what decision they're making at their business. You absolutely can mandate as a business owner if you want to. Uh, you have to have an exception process and you know, cover the ADA, uh, you know, Americans with Disabilities Act issues there. But but you can make that mandate if you if if you choose. But that's not a right for every business and and. Uh, a lot of businesses are struggling with the implications of retaining employees, particularly in this challenging labor market, if they mm -hmm. make that draw that line in the sand. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and I, that's that's a that's a you know it's a real concern. I, that I, is a I real concern. That, that that, yeah. um, you know, while I've encouraged it and I've even rewarded my employees who've gotten vaccinated, um, you know I, I have I I personally have stopped short of mandating it um, because I, I at this at this point. Because of uh, you know of of some of the challenges I think I would have uh, you know with retention, mm -hmm. um, you know, I think the I think the retention thing is a big deal. My wife uh, works for a retailer, and that retailer is already short staffed. I mean, yeah. she she came home the other day. She's like, we're twenty five people short right now, and uh, and uh, she says if they try to roll this out, we're going to be a lot more short staffed. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I think that's a real concern. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. Um, you know, they're going to be short staff. I, I, I don't either. I, I, yeah, I, I, I would say what I, my advice to my clients is, you know, is, is encourage it and even reward it, you know, reward getting vaccinated, have a system in place, whether you're over a hundred or not covered by that mandate for employees that aren't vaccinated, if they have to come in the office. Uh, mm -hmm. Or come to you know visit to, to be tested on a regular basis, so, and and I, I I'm recommend you know I recommend in, in line with the with the guide the CDC guidelines that employees that aren't vaccinated wear masks in the office. Um, you know I think that, that following those guidelines is the you know is the right. Um, oops, sorry, sorry about that. That's right. No worries. Uh, sorry, following those guidelines is the right path, um, but but it will be um, but but there's lots of challenges and. And what I've found, and I've done a lot of webinars on this topic. I'm actually doing another one, uh, you know, mm. next week. Cool. There are a thousand individual situations that people, you know, need to be addressed here. And, and I would say it's it's where having a partner like us that you can call up and say, "Hey, I, I need help on this specific situation." Because yes. chances are we've seen some flavor of that in one of our other clients. Mm. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. say, hey, yeah. here's what we saw. Here's what happened, and here's what you can expect. Mm. Um, mm. You know, should you make that decision. I would give uh, two pieces of advice to the listeners right now, and I'm not an expert on the topic, but I would do two things right now. If I'm, if I'm a business owner, I would try to probe a little bit with my employees early on so that I know who I might end up losing. Kind of try to, try to, get, try to get your head around, okay, if they do this, I might lose Sally, I might lose Johnny. Okay, I've heard Bob say something, so if I lose those guys, what? so prepare for a possible departure by by maybe having some early conversations and getting a feel for the pulse of your employees. That's, that's what I would do that first. Um, so that you can kind of get an idea. Uh, and I, I think, I think, you know, some of the people saying I'm going to quit if they do that, that won't be a hundred percent. You know, when, when, the, when, the, when it comes down to it, a lot of people actually won't quit, but they might lose some. So I would probe. Then if I was a candidate, my advice to the candidate would be a couple of things. Number one, if you're gonna quit over that, make sure you do. Make sure that you are leaving on the best possible terms, not pissing anybody off. Don't walk out of the building flipping people off because 
you may need you may need to come back over that bridge, <laughs> uh, especially if, if if OSHA says, OK, it's been six months. Now every company has to do it. I don't care how many employees you have. So now now the employees, you don't have a choice anyway. So don't burn the bridge is, is my point uh, for candidates. I would I would encourage them to just be as nice as possible. And because you may have to make that phone call, come back around. <laughs> That's right. Uh, well, I think yeah. the other thing, a lot of questions we're getting is, well, how, how can I ask, uh, how can I, you know, how, how do I even find out what the state of my workforce is? And yeah. My recommendation there for, for folks is, is to do a, do a survey. Um, yeah. There you go. Don't, don't go and like walk around the office and be like, Hey, Steve, are you vaccinated? Or, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, send out a survey that people can fill out. Um, you know, ask them just the simple yes or no question. You know, have you been vaccinated? Yes or no. If the answer is no, ask them, are you planning on it? Um, that'll give you a good um, read. Yeah, that'll and, give you a read. That way you can get a sense of where you're at. And, and, and you know, and then from there, deal with, you know, determine how, how you know, how much, uh, how much of a gap do you have? And, you know, might, where, where, where might your challenges be? But I think the first step, you know, is to gather that data and you can absolutely do it, right? You can absolutely ask, ask that question. Sometimes folks are reluctant to do it, but about, it's about doing it in a way that protects people's privacy um, and, and doesn't put you as an, you know, as an employer in a situation to use any of that information in your job. job uh, That's good. Process. Great advice. Great advice. And I also think what you're doing as the CEO for your own company is a good idea, which is, hey, which is you saying, here's the knowledge, here's the information, here's what we recommend, here's what we encourage, but I'm not going to, I'm stopping short of, of forcing. I think that right now at this moment today, and by the way, we're recording this on uh, November 10th, 2021. If you're a CEO, I would recommend uh, doing what Jordan's doing. I, I would stop short of making a mandate at your company right now and just let what's going to happen with the government and OSHA play out because then, then as the CEO, you're not the bad guy, right? You're just like, Hey, I get, well, this I, is I the there's going to be like, a lot more parity in the workforce uh, in, the, in, the, in the marketplace at that point in time. Right. They'll yeah. Be, right. Um, you know, to your, to your point of like, you know, and then and, and to be clear, I do, well, well, maybe not in January, I do expect it to come, down, you know, kind of down market in terms of employer size in, yeah. in the future. For Probably. Sure. Probably. One more question. One more topic before we <clears throat> hang up. Remote, remote work. Where do you think long-term, when I say long-term, over the next 10 years or so, where's it heading? Do you see it expanding and, and ev eventually everybody that works from a laptop or just on the phone? doesn't come to a building or do you feel it pulling back into the office? Where do you think it's heading and what do you recommend? It's a great question. I, I, so I, I think, uh, so it's, I have an interesting perspective on this because for a long time, I mentioned earlier, I commuted to Hawaii. I did it every three weeks, but for the two weeks where I wasn't commuting, I, I was mm -hmm. for most of that time, the only remote employee for the business based in Hawaii. So mm -hmm. at the time, I think we had 250, 270 internal employees and I was the only person not in Hawaii. Um, and so I had to learn a lot about personally about how to make that work and teach people how to work remotely and overcome what I call the friction of, 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 of remote work, right? The, the fact that you have to pick up the phone or start a Slack conversation instead of, you know, going and standing by somebody's desk and catch them on their way back from the break room. Mm -hmm. uh, those things are all friction that, that kind of decrease communication and make things harder. That existed before COVID and, and, and 
And then what people experienced as remote work for the most part was everybody being remote, everybody being on the same page in terms of being at home and being remote. And as somebody with the experience of kind of being in, you know, what I would call that hybrid world for a long time, mm-hmm. uh, you know, everybody going remote was actually easier. Everybody being on Zoom, nobody being in a conference room, like everybody had to make it kind of find a way to make it work. Mm. But I actually think we're going to be stuck forever in this hybrid world, which is kind ah. of the worst of both, in my honest opinion. <laughs> That's a good, and, and good ta- point. But, but it takes, because it takes the most amount of work. It can work, but it takes work to make it work. Mm, and, um, and so I think a couple of things that I, I think about here is, is I think that in order to access the best talent, bottom line, you're going to have to support remote, you know, some, some level of remote work for most businesses. I, I think that's Agreed. the bottom Agreed. line and, and you will sacrifice access to, 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 you know, yes. to some, 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 ta- some significant portion of the talent pool. If you're not, and it's by the way, not just people that live remote. I've hired people that live in Arvada that, you know, want to be remote because they don't want to sit in traffic for 45 mm. minutes a day. And, and frankly, I don't blame them. Yep. Um, but as, as a, as a, you know, the challenge is engaging the workforce in that hybrid way. And, and I, I have not cracked the code yet. Um, and I don't, I don't know that anybody has, but like when I think about my all hands meeting, for example, my, my last all hands meeting I did, you know, with our 35 employees here, right. probably had half of them in the office and half of them on zoom. And that's a real challenge, right? It is core, both with the people in the room mm-hmm. and the people mm-hmm. on zoom feels almost impossible. You know, mm-hmm. to do two separate meetings makes them feel like they're separate class. You know, they're, yes. they're not all people, and that doesn't feel right either. Mm. So, for me, this is a journey I'm still trying to figure out. Okay, I do think businesses have to be conscious also of the tools they invest in. So, being really clear about, hey, here's how we communicate. We use Zoom for this. We use Slack for this. We mm-hmm. get on the phone for these sorts of things. You know, we we require video for you know that, for internal right. meetings. I think those things, while small. Um, are actually, oh, they matter. Yep. Um, and, yep. and I think that actually being less, I think what we will see is less and less kind of, I think when, when everybody went remote last year, it was kind of just, hey, let's make it work. I think what you're going to see is less and less flexibility on, on hey, everybody can kind of do it any way they want remotely mm-hmm. and a little more structure in the, in, in the, in, in the way that that's going to support that, 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 that longer term engagement and more consistent consistency with how people can engage. Um, mm-hmm. So long answer to your question, but it, it is top of mind for me. And it's a conversation I'm dealing with internally. It's a conversation <laughs> I'm talking with you know, a lot of my clients about. Um, and, and I think what, you know, personally, what I, my, my preference when I recruit is people that are within commute distance, kind of, you know, they're here in Colorado, or maybe they're down in the Springs or Fort Collins. Okay. They could be in the office, you know, they could come in one day a week, or they could come in for a company meeting. But I'm not going to, you know, but I've got talent that isn't here or has moved away from, from Colorado that mm-hmm. is really important for me to retain. And so also having even, even within a hybrid workforce, uh, you know, some folks that might come in occasionally and, and some folks that, that, you know, you might never, might not ever see in, in, in person. Great perspective. You're right. Uh, the hybrid is difficult and people probably need to continue to work through that and put structure around it. Great, great advice. By the way, I'm seeing more sprinter vans on the highway than I've ever seen before. And I think it's all software engineers working from vans driving around the country. I don't know. <laughs> I, think you're, I, I think you might be right. I, I mean, and 
it's funny. I have a, a relationship with a, with an actuary that, that I've worked with for years that does some work on our insurance program. And he's, he spent the last two years uh, in working out of an RV and, wow. and wow. You know, spending time in the national parks. I think he's, I think he told me he's visited 20 some national parks, uh, you know, in, in the last, uh, you know, last couple of years. And, and is going to go check a bunch off his list, you know, in, 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 in next summer as well. That's uh, cool. He can, you know, all he needs is a laptop and internet connection. Yep. As long as they can jump on the team meetings. I do think you're right. I I'm big on that too. I want people to be on camera. I want, I want the faces that, that interaction. I'm huge. Uh, I don't mind them being remote, but I want to, I want to see them. I think that's, oh. I think that's important. Last question. Uh, if you had to put Jordan Conley's core purpose in life into a sentence right now, what would that sound like? Uh, the flip answer came to mind was get my kids out the door to school with uh, lunch and, and all their homework is what it feels like until about eight o'clock every morning. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I've mentioned I've gone on this journey and, and for me, it is really about uh, fostering entrepreneurship, both in my, in my, in my team internally. I, I, I believe, you know, one of my most proud moments is when one of my longtime employees went and bought her own business uh, and, and, uh, you know, became an entrepreneur herself. And, and so fostering that internally, as well as with my clients and being involved in causes that support that is, is key and developing people. I, I am, uh, you know, I, I have been fortunate to, uh, you know, have success in my career and, and, uh, you know, have some of the day-to-day -day pressure of kind of having to, to, you know, Make every you know make, make make a new dollar every day. If, you know that's important, but but I'm but but I'm instead taking that energy and investing it in developing people. Um, and and I'll I'll briefly brag on one of my employees who who she worked for me in Hawaii. She now works for me here in Denver. She started in the mailroom. She now runs my implementation department. Um, and nice. has done nice. that through hard work and dedication to her job. Um, and and to me is is you know is uh, is is evidence and proof that that, uh, you know, the, the, the American dream is, is alive and well, right? And, and cool. uh, you know, that, that gives me an enormous amount of satisfaction. Very cool. Jordan, thank you so much for sharing your story on the RiderFlex podcast. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Steve.